Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week, we're talking about Mark of Athena, chapters 33 through 40. You know, I really wanted... I wanted a little bit of revenge. I was like, Aaron's got Annabeth. She's got Annabeth doing her solo mission and quest. And um, it wasn't as intense as I thought it was going to be. No. Honestly, a lot of the chapter, like, there was, like, pages worth of writing. And it could be summarized as, Annabeth is nervous. Annabeth is really introspective. Like a lot of her chapters are is a yeah. lot of her own monologue, trying to decide what her feelings are, which is correct. That is the correct yeah. narration of Annabeth. It's just, you know, summarizing us as, um, you know, store brand, not store brand, great value spark notes. Oh yes, yeah. yes, the value village of spark notes. <laughs> It's on sale, so, you know. Well, and then your Leo chapters were just like, boom, boom, adventure, (laughs) chaos, robots. (laughs) Which felt more, like, like, unlike Piper's chapter last episode, it felt like it was, like, necessary and it needed to be from Leo's perspective, whereas Piper, like you were saying, wasn't necessary and didn't need to be from Piper's perspective. Yeah. So yeah, I think Leo that. brings more as a narrator to, like, this book. Yeah. Because he's clearly, like, going through stuff with his, his self-view and how he fits in with the team. I think he works as a narrator. Piper, meh. He's also funny. Like, he's a little shit. Yeah. And so it's really fun to read from his perspective. I mean, now that I'm older, every time he's like, and then I'm alone. I'm like, oh, honey. But, um, <laughs> At least there's something going on. It's not about Jason. Though sometimes it is about Jason. Oh it is a lot about Jason from both yeah. perspectives. Leo's also a little bit in love with Jason. Mm-hmm. And none of us as readers know why. <laughs> Jason brings us nothing. As readers, we're like, Jason got hit in the head again. Why are we all in love with him? Let's calm down, guys. You need to meet more people. Well, yeah, I mean, that's basically, you did a good summary of what I'm going to talk about, and I did a an angry summary of what you're talking about, so I think we again. should get into it again. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so I got the, the exciting Annabeth chapters this time, chapters 33 through 36. So chapter 33, we left off with Annabeth on a bike with Gregory Peck, aka Tiberinus, and Aubrey Hepburn, aka Rhea Sylvia. And they drop her off in front of a large marble building and tell her that she has to go under it to follow her quest down a creepy set of set of stairs and into the buried city and find the altar of the foreign god. So they just like give her a nice piece of advice and are like, okay, bye, you're on your own. So down she goes all by herself and thinks about how she hasn't been on a quest all alone like this since she was a little kid and ran away from home. Like she ran away and was on her own for a while and then she was with Luke and Talia and then she was at camp and then all her quests were with Percy. And so this is a big deal for her and she kind of feels scared like she did when she was seven, except she knows that she has to keep going because finding the Parthenos could bring peace to the Greeks and the Romans. She feels frustrated, though, 
Um, all she has is herself, and she thinks about, like, all the other members of the Seven and how literally all of them have powers, except for her. Like, mm. she can't, you know, make fire or do water things or air things or, you know, get, he- get hit in the head with a brick a million times. Yeah. Summon diamonds, turn into a bear. She just has her brain. The pathway leads her to a ledge where she hears water running below, but it's too dangerous to jump and it's all dark. So instead, she uses the power of her mind and finds there's like kite string and plastic swords inside an old crate because it's kind of like an abandoned basement type area underneath the building. So she makes a makeshift rope ladder and descends further down. I just love how this whole thing is like, and Annabeth used the power of her brain. (laughs) Something no one else on the team has. It's true, though. Annabeth finally uses the brain cell. You know, we said this was like the quest for the brain cell. This is where it is. That's actually what the Mark of Athena is about. And it's like, um, what is it? The Wizard of Oz or whatever, where she has it the entire time. It was within her all along. (laughs) The real brain cell was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) (laughs) And in this case, Annabeth's on her own. So (laughs) So there we go. The real friends was herself. (laughs) We're just butchering every single cheesy saying. So chapter 34. Annabeth takes a page from Ariadne's book and uses some of that kite string after, you know, using it. There's a lot of string. I don't really know. Like, this is a lot of kites. She uses the string from after making it into a ladder to guide her by attaching it to, like, the end of the ladder so that she doesn't double track on herself. She goes deeper and deeper, and she's, like, been following the little, um, like, owl icon that appears, like, you know, Blue's Clue. And she's looking for this foreign god altar, and eventually she finds it. It's a frieze of a robed man wearing a hat shaped like an ice cream scoop who's holding a knife to the neck of a bull. And there's also a bunch of, like, mosaic images about this god on the floor, and she's taking note of them just to learn about who this god is, because she doesn't know who it is. And she walks towards the altar, and crunch, she steps on something. It's human bones. The floor is covered by them because the gods love sending people to their deaths, especially children. And I know this part is meant to be creepy, but in my notes, all I can think about is that when we wrote that story, when we were like 15, we had a scene where they were like walking in an abandoned area and they stepped on bones and they were like, oh my God, people died here. all I could think about. And I was like, did we steal this too? <laughs> no, because we wrote this before. We wrote that before Yeah, I hadn't this. read this. So Rick stole it from us. <gasps> You're right. Just like how the entire plot of Divergent was actually <laughs> stolen from us. Fun yeah. facts. Fun facts. <laughs> Not going to elaborate any further no, on No, we don't need to. We've just been <laughs> friends for too long at this point, so there's too much <laughs> history. <laughs> We've done too many weird things, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Annabeth hears a watery voice say, A girl. Girls are not allowed. And the chamber rumbles, which and it severs her string and sends rocks flying to block her exit. Then a bunch of ghosts shimmer into existence wearing Roman togas, and the fun added bonus about these ghosts is that they're sexist goats. They hate Annabeth, and they hate that she's Greek and a woman. Hmm. They refer to the place that they are as the Cavern of Mithras, a Persian god who had a secret cult for warriors and had supplanted Athena as a war deity. So I was, like, very intrigued by this, um, all the things they talk about in the mosaic of him, like, 
he's just very odd and culty. So I was like, tell me about who this uh, Mithras dude is in Roman history. All right. So have you ever heard of Roman mystery religions? No, but I like the sound of them. Right? I was like, what? Everyone always, like, when you read about Roman history, always says, like, oh, it was just a mystery cult. And I'm like, do you say that because they solved crimes together? Like, why? Why is it a mystery cult? <laughs> and it, it's, it's a Scooby-Doo. It's a Scooby-Doo. Actually, it's just <laughs> some people in a van and their dog, and they just solve crimes, and they're like, yeah. oh, it's a mystery cult. And they're like, really... They're really high all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably. So mystery religions yeah. and mystery cults are basically religions and cults that focused on the afterlife and they were like very individually catered. And the reason they're considered, or what I read, that they're considered mysteries is that the remaining evidence is kind of contradictory. So we don't really know much about them. We don't really know exactly what their scripture was and um, stuff like that. So technically... Mithras is like a, a mystery, a Roman mystery religion, but actually Mithras is the Iranian god of light. So the story goes that he was born holding a torch and a knife and being the child of the earth. He also gave people vegetation because he rode and killed a bull who then, when he spilled its blood, it fertilized the ground. And so his religion actually spreads from Spain all the way to India. So it's like considered to be like indo-persian religion and um he has like a, a bunch of different variations of his name mithras is sanskrit and all that stuff and it was considered like a rival religion to the growing religion of christianity so in the third and fourth ad when christianity was kind of gaining hype you know jesus was the main man but he was like new a lot of other mm -hmm. roman emperors and a lot of other people higher up believed in mithras and believed were a part of his cult so it was like these two newfound religions kind of, not newfound, but newly found in the area starting to gain rise. And um, I think we know which one got more popular, but hmm. yeah, it was very interesting. Which one to read we about. still remember. Yeah. That is super interesting. So it's very interesting to consider him a foreign god, but like at the same time, how far is Persia from Rome, you know? <laughs> I always find the um, like parts of Roman mythology and all the mythology where like things evidence is contradictory and things are lost. I always find that super interesting, kind of like the statue. Yeah, especially because the Romans love to write things down, and uh, spe mm -hmm. specifically, what's that really annoying? Augustus nonstop mm -hmm. just write about his own life, so that for particularly this reason. So that he can be like, no one can get this wrong. So then we don't have information. It's suddenly like, oh, like all the possibilities. What could it be? I mean, that's why people are so overly obsessed with the, the pyramids, right? Like, what if they were actually yeah. signals to the aliens? Because brown people can't build things and stuff like that. So <laughs> It's actually the aliens. Yeah, the only way that brown people can build something that beautiful is if the aliens helped them. Okay, so Annabeth notices in the mosaic on the ground, there are seven pictures in a row, and she deduces, you know, using her brain, that these are the rites of passage, and the top level is the potter, which means father, and the ghosts are just floored by the fact that Annabeth is able to deduce their secrets even though they painted all their secrets <laughs> on the floor <laughs> and she then proclaims herself as the mater or the mommy oh. of her sisterhood <laughs> and then the ghosts 
say that Mythos will kill her and the altar begins to glow. The ghosts also freak out by how much she knows because she looked at the mosaic and they call her, I quote, the big mother. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I, just, I hate it. I hate it so Good much. Good for Annabeth. <laughs> like big mommy Annabeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming to beat up the ghosts. So the lead ghost, who is the potter, who he calls himself the potter of the ghosties, tells her that she must choose her death, uh, per the rituals of Mithras, the death by fire or dagger, which was like, as we just learned what he was born holding. And I was, in my in my notes, I was like, who would choose the dagger? That sounds so much more gruesome. Fire doesn't sound great either, though, but I feel like it'd be a little quicker. Just my personal take. You think fire's quicker? I mean, I think it depends on how kind they are with their stabbing. If they just do, like, one through the heart, then I would choose the dagger. I'd probably need to talk to them about um, what my options were. At least you can dodge a dagger. You can't really dodge fire. Also, burns hurt. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Bleeding out is, like... I mean, neither is a good option. I feel like with fire, you don't go into shock. But with stabbings, with blood loss and stuff, you can at least go into shock. So you won't feel anything. Mm, you can dissociate exactly which is my preferred method of everything so yeah same (laughs) so annabeth also is like these are not good choices and she looks at all the skeletons and realizes that they all clearly chose one because they're all dead and she needs a third choice and then she just she remembers like in the mosaic the image of my thirst being born from stone with those two things so she's like stone's the other option and it's like i too was born from stone didn't you see me emerge from that wall and then they're like you were not born from stone you just walked through that archway and then annabeth is like well i can i yes i was i can control stones but annabeth isn't hazel so as the reader we're like what but she is an architect And she spots stress fractures in the ceiling and knows just what to do to make it all tumble down. She strikes the capstone and the room shakes and the fissure cracks. Annabeth slams against the blocked entrance and escapes the cavern as the cavern implodes behind her. So she escapes with the power of architecture. Her brain cell. Yeah, exactly. So chapter 35, Annabeth lands and fucks up her ankle. She, this chapter is basically just her hurting her ankle. (laughs) Like, it's very short. She eats some ambrosia to make herself feel a bit better and also fashions herself a brace using wooden planks and some bubble wrap in a crate from Hermes. So Hermes sent something to help. Hermes is like, you know, best, best god award right now for sending bubble wrap. Crook would be mad about it. Yeah, Crook would be like, oh, you didn't send me bubble wrap. Yeah, and I was killing all my friends. I could have used that. I I hurt my ankle. (laughs) And my feelings. <laughs> I need a bubble wrap for my feelings, Dad. <laughs> Annabeth also thinks during this whole part where she's like eating and making a brace, she thinks about the like wilderness survival lessons Grover had taught her, which is cute. I'm like That's glad to see cute. Grover getting shouted out here because he hasn't really been mentioned enough in these books. Mm-mm. So with a lot of effort, she stands and sees that fiery owl blues clues that's been guiding her on the quest, hovering above an open doorway. She hobbles along and follows after it towards more monsters. So then we get chapter 36, which is like the the main thing, what we've all been waiting for. The (laughs) big mommy meets spider mommy. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 36. 
As Annabeth continues on, a sickly sweet smell gets stronger and stronger, and she hears a dry chorus of whispers like a million tiny voices. Kind of like how Percy heard the voices that sounded like a bunch of bees in one of his dreams a few mm-hmm. chapters ago. She can't go too fast with her broken ankle, and as she grips the wall, she finds her hand covered in cobwebs. She knows, like, she knows what's ahead at this point. It's it's spider mommy. She eventually finds herself in a chamber the size of a basketball court, with the floor covered in Roman mosaics. Tapestries hang from the walls, and the mark of Athena burns above another doorway at the end of the room. But unfortunately, there's a chasm in the floor blocking her way to get across to the doorway, and Annabeth is really scared. But she thinks of Percy and how she has to get back to him and then hobbles up to the chasm. I love. She can't possibly jump across with her broken ankle and the only way across is some beams with iron eye hooks along the inside. And she like doesn't really trust herself to just walk across that with her ankle. But these, she realizes that these look like a loom. Luckily for all children of Athena, they are just naturally good at weaving, which I kind of feel like is a skill Annabeth should have been using earlier, just like even to make fun gifts for her friends. But I mean, okay. she made the ladder apparently out of a string, so I believe she's using it somewhat. I hope so. But she said she didn't realize she had that skill, but then she's like, oh yeah, all of us children of Athena are good weavers. I'm like, well, How does she forget? Make- she's being harassed by spiders her entire life. Why does she think I that know. they're coming after her? She knows the story. To they're all trying. They're trying to challenge her to this, a weaving contest. To the status of big mommy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big weaving mommy. Big weaving mommy. Who's the real big weaving mommy here? Oh, God. So Annabeth uses that same string, like a string that to make a bridge for herself and makes it across. She goes through the doorway into a cavern as large as a cathedral, super majestic, filled with strands of silk. At the center of the room stands a statue. It is the statue. 40 foot tall statue of Athena with luminous ivory skin and a dress of gold. In her outstretched hand, Athena holds a smaller statue of Nike, the winged victory goddess. But how can Annabeth possibly get this gigantic statue out of here all by herself? Mm. She then looks around the chamber and spies a bunch of beautiful tapestries, more beautiful than she'd ever seen, like of famous Greek myths and, and Roman myths. But one looks... Uh, particularly familiar. It is a portrait of two demigods kissing underwater. It's Percy and Annabeth the day of their first kiss. And she's like, um, how have you been watching me? Are is you a Percibeth fan art? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being scared, she should have just known that Arachne was a fan. I know, such fan behavior. Yeah. <laughs> she should have felt honored. <laughs> she can't take a compliment, God. God, God, (laughs) she's asked how that's possible and a voice answers her that same like creepy little bee voice that says for ages I've known you would come my sweet I've seen you in my dreams I had to make sure you were worthy the only child of Athena clever enough to pass my tests and reach this palace alive indeed you are her most talented child this will make your death so much more painful to my old enemy when you fail utterly so it's Arachne, who is apparently a Persebeth shipper. So let's get the myth of Arachne. Quick she's question. Cool. What cool. tests? The ladder? Maybe <laughs> ladder. You're telling me? Um, fighting ghosts and weaving. <laughs> You're telling me all the other, like, hundreds of centuries of Athena's children have failed these three tasks. 
until Annabeth. See, this is the part that I also don't... I mean, I guess also getting there is a task, but I also find this hard to believe. You're telling me that Arachne, the, the giant spider, set into motion the Romans fighting the Greeks and then not letting... And, like, also, like, the American Civil War so that the map could be hidden in fort... That was all the spiders doing. I guess. Is she claiming that? Well, no I wonder think she had. Ho- I don't think she's. Cl- I don't know that she's claiming that. I don't remember if it's explained better. But somehow she got the statue. I don't know that she stole it, but mm-hmm. she's she got it because she hates Athena. She's like that bitch. I'm taking this. Can you imagine you're a villain and you've like placed these like intricate traps and you're waiting for the one who's finally worthy and the guy you think is worthy just actually knew that there was a back door that you leave unlocked because you're an idiot and that's how he gets in like that's the vibe it's giving like Annabeth is smart like we know we love her we think she's worthy clearly Acne's like fan behavior has like you know equivalent of crayon drawings on her fridge in like honor of (laughs) Annabeth and her boyfriend but like to say that she's the wor- most worthy because she, like, ran the fastest and made a ladder out of strings a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. This I find hard to believe that, like, eons of Athena children have not been able to get past these. Like, the ghosts were kind of bumbling. Yeah. They weren't that smart. They were, like, shocked that she knew their secrets, even though they wrote their secrets on the ground. <laughs> I find it hard to believe. I'm like, I Annabeth is smart. Yeah. But it makes me wonder, like, are Athena's kids really that smart? I think this idea do better. of, like, well, Percy was the one. Like, he's, like, low-key the chosen one, right? And Jason, for some reason, yeah. is apparently, like, the chosen one. So they, Rick is like, Whatever. okay, Annabeth has to be destined for something. Especially to make her not destined to be Percy's girlfriend, because that's lame. And I agree. But it also could be, like, she's so smart that she figured it out and it just happened to be that way rather than like being she is the only one she's destined to be the greatest yeah one, is a little bit much i wish that the there had been like more of a puzzle you yeah. know like more of a brain teaser Something. it makes me think of like it gives me the same vibes as like uh the first harry potter when a bunch of 11 year olds beat the like <laughs> the, the many tasks that these accomplished professors set up but I would have liked to see something more like a logic puzzle, like in the like in the Harry Potter uh, first book when they when Hermione solves the potion thing. Yeah, or even um, as a kid, I also solved that, so like I felt really cool about myself. But even in like the the Battle of the Labyrinth, like Annabeth had so many more things that that was her quest. She had to do so yes. many tasks and logic questions and figure things out. That felt more like. Maybe Arachne should have taken notes. Like, she clearly saw it because she's been dreaming and following Annabeth. Like, she could have at least been inspired <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Also, maybe it's just that nobody can get to, like, where she is. Maybe nobody wants to buy a plane ticket to Greece. And Arachne's like, they've all failed. And they're all just like, we just don't want to go. It's like, Rome is far, <laughs> dude. And, like, it's, like, yeah, Rome, expensive yeah. right now. They're like, have you seen plane tickets? <laughs> I think that we are also, you know, we, we take our villains, our evil villain monologues and our evil, evil villains very, very seriously. So this feels, 
doesn't feel up for the task. You have this really cool villain, like she's a spider, she's, you know, been wronged, and she's got a voice that's super cool because it's like a lot of voice. She's a girl, yeah. like a woman, yeah, like feminism, yeah. But um but she didn't she didn't just do it for me, you know, like five out of ten, you know? Just a yeah. bit disappointed. I think I remember liking her a little more like in the next uh you know, the last Annabeth chapters we get. She mm. get but I kind of remember feeling bad for her. Yeah. Like, not being scared of her. And I feel like she's set up to be so scary. And her voice sounds scary. That part, like, the bees sounds scary. Sam, you should make my voice sound like bees when you edit it. <laughs> if possible. I actually don't know how you do it. No, just you do, just do buzz auto-tune. softly in the back. <laughs> you do, like, the auto-tune. <laughs> you know, like the, like, the Jason Derulo, but, like, extra auto-tune. <laughs> okay anyway anyway let me tell you about the i mean this is why we feel bad for her let's talk about the arachne myth and so Mm -hmm. ovid is the one who gives us the arachne myth and so he basically tells us that arachne was the daughter of a shepherd who began weaving at a very young age she's an incredible weaver and would often boast of her talent so the thing about apparently these times is like it's really problematic to say that you're self-made Everything you have, you need to be like, oh, it's because of the gods. You know, the, the gods gave me this like ability. A, that just makes me think of how, like, what, whoever it was, Kylie Jenner, was the first self-made female billionaire. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, it was a gift from your rich parents. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Athena gave you that ability to, you know, that's what those <laughs> were supposed to say. Right. And so, um, can you imagine, like... What's his name? The annoying man. Elon Musk, every time he yeah, like, yeah, has yeah. to tweet, has to be like, and shout out to Daddy Hephaestus for giving me these abilities to, you know, have other people make oh cars God, is for he me. A child of a... Oh, no. I feel like he's a child of Zeus because yes. he's a dick. Yeah, for sure. That's all. That's all. <laughs> we won't get too into it. But, um,. Basically, you're supposed to say everything is a gift from the gods, but she refuses to agree that her talent comes from Athena. She's like, I I learned how to do this. Like, I taught myself, I practiced, and I'm a good weaver because I know how to weave, and I, it's me. So she and Athena have a contest where they we- have a weave-off, essentially. And Athena weaves a story, and in her tapestry, it's like, the mortals should not challenge gods and Zeus is involved. And Arachne instead weaves this like story of how Zeus essentially sucks. Like he's like all the moments that Zeus has betrayed mortals and like just been an absolute dick and like still a d- demanded respect for some reason. So Athena, who's like sees her dad in this compromising situation. Plus it's like not only that is a burn, but the weaving itself is so much better than her own. She just like, knocks arachne on the head a couple of times and arachne is embarrassed by that i don't know this was was weird so she hangs herself and wow athena feels bad because she's like out of love which is how ovid describes it she brings her back to life but she still wants to punish her so she's like you want to hang hang for the rest of your life and we for the rest of your life for generations upon generations you're going to be a spider and um, something that was interesting huh. I found is that Ovid wrote this about himself. So they, uh, this is what, uh, oh. you know, historians believe. So he was a poet during Augustus's time and then he was exiled for some saying whatever he wanted to say. I don't know the details. And, um, he kind of lightens himself to like 
this is about free speech. Like, this story is about free speech. Oh. And that's what they believe that he was trying to say. And I mean, he doesn't say anything about it himself. But I thought that was really interesting. That's super interesting. I didn't know that. Huh. Wow. So, Rackney's kind of a girl boss here. <laughs> that's what we're saying. Yeah, we're, that's right. what, exactly what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she introduces herself. She kind of gives a spark notes version of that story and says that she was cursed by Athena for being the better weaver. And Annabeth is like, no, Athena won. And Arachne is like, look at my tapestries. They're better. Also, like, who was the judge of the contest anyways? The gods. So, of course, Athena won. And Annabeth knows she's right. Like, Annabeth is like, the gods do kind of suck. And the tapestries are better. Arachne then finally emerges from the darkness so Annabeth can see her. And I will just read her description from the book, because at least her description is quite spooky. So Arachne had the body of a giant black widow with a hairy red hourglass mark on the underside of her abdomen and a pair of oozing spinnerets. Her eight spindly legs were lined with curved barbs as big as Annabeth's dagger. If the spider came any closer, her sweet stench alone would have been enough to make Annabeth faint. But the most horrible part was her misshapen face. She might have once been a beautiful woman. Now black mandibles protruded from her mouth like tusks. Her other teeth had grown into thin white needles. Fine, dark whiskers dotted her cheeks. Her eyes were large, lidless, and pure black, with two smaller eyes sticking out of her temples. Just imagine someone's like, but the worst part is her face. (laughs) (laughs) Someone coming back from a date with me and reviewing with their friend. (laughs) Their review, their Yelp review. Yelp review. (laughs) Three stars. Was sometimes funny. Talk too much about Percy, but the worst part was her Arachne, you know, after Annabeth internally insults her face, at least she doesn't say it out loud, Mm -hmm. she says that she will now feast upon Annabeth, but promises to make Annabeth's death into a beautiful tapestry. Fan behavior. At least that. Yeah, right? She loves Annabeth. Oh, God. Um, Looking at my notes, oh, I did have a note that everyone always is like, Annabeth would be a Ravenclaw, but I think she's a Gryffindor, clearly evidenced by these chapters all i'll say about that okay <laughs> um i already brought up some of these the chapter made me irrationally mad about how the stupid gods expect their children to do impossible quests and give them no help and i also was thinking about gaslight gatekeep girl boss and i think that this version of arachne falls under gatekeep mm. i'd say medea is gaslight Medusa is a girl boss, and Arachne is gatekeep. Like, of our big th- female villains, Gaia is has no personality. She's asleep. She doesn't count. Yeah. Hades but, is man wife, male wife, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're right. right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and the Minotaur is the himbo. Yes, there we go. Is that one of the things? I don't I know. I don't think so, but we can add him because I know you love him. No. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. He's included. Because, like, Medea is like, I did nothing wrong. Gaslight. Medusa, she made a thriving business. She doesn't just prey on, like, children. She preys on anyone. And I feel like there were clear warnings. Like, you'd have to be kind of stupid. Like, I don't feel that bad for her victims because there were there are statues all over her yard. She doesn't, like, she wears sunglasses. It's, it's all right there. <laughs> the snakes in her hair also gave it away. <laughs> 
Yeah, they should have been more aware. That's all yeah. I'm saying. It's Percy pretty was run down. Twelve and um, yeah, eating I mean, yeah. was too busy thinking about eating. So that's his own problem. He was hungry. He was hungry. Yeah, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> and those are all my notes <laughs> perfect all right let's go leo chapters 37 through 40 so chapter 37 um something really interesting after reading both annabeth and percy's chapters is that leo does not care for ancient ruins he's in this incredible city um with ancient history and all these ruins and he's like it's too much work to try to imagine what they used to look like when we can just build new things like i don't want to spend too much time looking oh, at these no. let's keep going which i think might be just it might be his adhd it might be just hephaestus it might be just boy energy who knows so rome has made him tired and um basically it starts off alluding that they're going to be underground and lost and so um they're just lost in general right now because Hazel is really confused up on the surface because there are so many layers and buildings built on top of each other over a lot of history. She can't really tell where she's going. But Hazel takes them to the Pantheon knowing that there's a secret passage inside. And as they enter, Leo has this really cute moment where he really misses Annabeth. He's really surprised how fond he's grown of her. And he's like, basically he's looking around. And again, while he doesn't super care for old buildings... He can appreciate architecture because architecture and like engineering go so hand in hand. And he's like, she's the only person that I can really talk to about engineering because at least she and I could just like geek out about this together. And so he's like surprised that he misses her, which I thought was cute. No. Also, Frank and Hazel don't really understand or care. So Leo starts thinking about where he would put a secret passage if he was to engineer this building and leads Frank and Hazel to a tomb with an ancient combination lock and using his, um, basically he's sensing the gears behind the door and he cracks the code. While he's doing this. Wait, are Leo, Hazel and Frank trying, what are they trying to do? What's they're the trying to find right Nico. So Hazel is looking for Okay, Nico. so both, and that's also what Percy's team is doing, right? No, Percy's team is, they're trying to find the giants i think no no percy percy went with the giants are with nico yeah so percy went with annabeth piper and jason were just supposed to like be monitoring the ship and Mm, percy has now left annabeth has gone back to jason and piper and i think they're going to meet up with hazel and frank and supposed to go oh right find them but hey percy's also had this like when he talked to you know gregory peck essentially told him that he needs to go find the giants so Percy's going right. to get Jason and Piper to go help Frank, Leo, and This is what Hazel. happens when there's too many plot lines going yes, on. that is exactly right. At least they're together now. Like, it's going to come to a yeah. point. But it has been a lot of, like, you go on this quest and you go on this quest and you're trying to keep track of seven characters and see where they are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, um, basically, Leo has cracked this code and... While he's cracking the code, by the way, he clocks three American tourists who make him nervous for some reason. He doesn't really know why. He says that they look like manatees stuffed in shirts. 
And they're not even looking at him, so he doesn't know why their energy makes him nervous. But he's like, okay, I'm just kind of keep a, a slight eye on them while I do this. The door opens, and it's like a hole going into the underground. And Frank himself can't fit through the hole. And instead of changing form, Hazel thinks it's a better idea for her to go down alone, first check things out, because she can sense traps and doors and such. And she, if she doesn't come back in 10 minutes, she's going to have them come back, come, come after her. So Frank and Leo stand guard while tourists walk past them and they wait for Hazel, which gives us our, you know, typical talking bonding time for Frank and Leo. <laughs> They've been kind of awkward since Leo's found out about Frank's stick. And so Leo assures Frank that he would never do anything to put Frank in any danger. He's like, I've never used fire. I, I'm, now that I know about your stick, I'm going to be more aware of it. They also bond a little over the fact they both lost their mothers to fire. And they're both like, yeah, it really sucks to have your mom die. And they kind of bond over that. And um, Dead mom club. Dead mom club. A good chunk of them are part of all the boys besides Percy are part of that club. And Hazel's a part of that club, too. It's a big club, yeah. unfortunately. It is. Yeah. Wow. It's popping. Popping. Um, Frank also explains why he has the stick. He's like, basically, I'm so freaking powerful. They have to give me a weakness. It's real, it's real shady. Leo's thinking aloud how he might be able to solve Frank's problem. He's like, okay, like how, if I ha was in your situation, how would I protect the stick with the resources that I have? But then he catches the American tourists again, and they're looking a little dazed. Then they look at him and they call him by name. And both Frank and Leo realize that these tourists are being possessed by our old friendly little spirits, the, the Eidolons. Is that how we decided we were going to say it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> the Eidolons are coming at them. They're like, Leo Valdez, prepare to die. And Frank turns into a snake, so he... And Leo can both jump in the hole underground, a place where the American tourists cannot fit through. So chapter 38 starts with the hatch above them closing automatically. And so Leo summons a little fire so they can see. The tunnel only goes south, so they head that way hoping to find Hazel. And they do, like, pretty quickly. Um, she's examining a door. It's actually a Greek door. So this entire chapter, by the way, is Leo just freaking out about um how greeks are so much better than romans he doesn't mean to do it but he's just like every design he comes across happens to be greek and he's been thrust in so much roman design that he doesn't care about that he's allowed saying how like greek design of course this is greek it's so intricate it's so beautiful it's so well done he doesn't realize he's with two romans who take it very personally and he's like no that's not what i meant but he doesn't care he's still out loud just being like the greek supremacy um so because it's Greek, Hazel asks Leo to crack the door, uh, crack the code again. He tries the, it's a circle lock. So he's like, okay, circle, why don't we try the value of pi? And Hazel and Frank are like, what is pi? We eat pi. And I was like, you, public education has failed you both. We all know what pi Truly. is. And so he tries it and the door swings open. Inside is a room the size of Leo's forge back in camp, filled with ancient scrolls, metal basketball things, work tables, and more. Hmm. In the corner are two armored mannequins with like a fox head and a lion head. And they're almost complete, but they're missing a lot of wiring. So Leo's like, okay, don't worry. Those cannot, no matter what, turn on because the wiring isn't complete. Leo deduces that this must be Archimedes' work, the most famous son of Hephaestus. He's made incredible in in inventions and lived in some small Greek colony, but was later killed by a Roman soldier when the, his city was invaded. Leo fully geeks out about the room to his friends, but they're pretty annoyed. 
He finds Archimedes' lost scroll, which just turns out to be his version of Daedalus' computer. And he's like, we have to protect this and we have to find a way to get these all back to camp. Especially if we're about to go to war with the Romans, we need all the help we can get. As he's talking to his friends, some of the metal basketballs spring to life and they immediately knock Hazel and Frank out. The metal mannequins come to life even though they don't have the proper wirings to do so. Because do you know what's more powerful than robots? Spirits. The Edelons have possessed True. the robots and they are now going to kill Leo. So chapter 39, Leo is stuck and he doesn't really have any time to think. He can't use his fire powers because the robots won't really be harmed by that. And Frank and Hazel actually might get hit. And now he's being conscious of the fact that Frank has this really flammable fire stick in his pocket or Hazel has it all the time. Um, one of the Edelons tells him that it was in Leo. He he was like, I, w- I was in your mind and I helped you start the war. And he calls out all of his insecurities of being helpless and small. And which is like, uh, you know, important because bullying is really important tactic for killing. Like you have to make sure you bully. Mm-hmm. The meat is more tender if you bully your victims before you kill them. <laughs> Leo's fear, however, turns into anger because he's like, you ruined everything and you made me feel so shitty for this entire book. Like, you guys suck. And so he runs towards the stairs in the back of the room and closes these metal doors that he knew would be installed in workshop like this. He's like, everyone's afraid of their own inventions. There has to be a way to lock them in there. There's a control board in the room overlooking the workshop. Um... And Archimedes' sphere is disassembled on the board, and he realizes it's the master regulator. It's the main remote for all of the other robots. Leo hurriedly puts it together as the Edelons pound on the door and try to get in. They warn that their third comrade, I was like, are they communist comrade? Um, (laughs) Is still in the other sphere and will kill Hazel and Frank if he doesn't open the door. He puts the sphere together, but he needs an access code to get it started. The lock is too complicated to crack. He's like, I could do it if I had years and the right tools, but Hazel and Frank don't have any time left. So Leo's out of options, and to save his friends, he finally cracks open that fortune cookie that Nemesis gave to him. So chapter 40 starts with the fortune cookie being a bit disappointed by his lame request, but gives him the code. <laughs> and it's like he flips it over. The first one he opens it, it's like, really? That's what you're going to go for? And then he flips it over and it has the, <laughs> the codes. The sphere turns on and he starts small, focusing on one of the other orbs in the room. But instead of turning it on, it bursts into dust. He uses his remote to turn on another sphere in the room to take apart the sphere with the Edelon in it. He then con- takes control of one of the robots and has it attack the other. Leo's main sphere is getting overheated, so he tells a waking Hazel and Frank to take cover and then sends an electronic pulse through the machines and all the machines spark and burst. Leo comes back down to the workshop and tells Hazel and Frank he basically trapped the Eudelons in the metal and then took everything apart, so basically they're stuck in the wiring forever. Hazel is confused on why they are here. She assumed she was tracking Nico and this tunnel had told her that Nico was going to be there like when she's using her like senses when she's locking on to like metal that's associated with Nico and the, the things, the sphere he was in and all that stuff. They deduce actually then that Gaia was actually thinking about this and it was probably a trap to get them into this room and confronted by the Edelons. At that moment, a bronze mirror in the corner of the room steams and a reflection of Georg shows up. She says that they have made their choice and that now they are both underground and in the ancient lands. She's like, this is literally the place I'm strongest, you dumb shits. 
She separated them from their friends, and now Annabeth is going to die. She so shows them on the mirror a wounded and dirty Annabeth who sprawled on the floor with a broken leg. The scene then changes to Piper and Jason and Percy descending downstairs into darkness. They are also going underground. Again, the place where Gaia is the most powerful. Gaia tells them that their powers will betray them and they will also die in their own element. So I was like, what, Piper, going to get loved to death? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. What do you mean? <laughs> Annabeth's brain's too big? Calm down. Her brain explodes. It's just too big. <laughs> Jason's going to get, like, reverse attacked by a brick. He's going to fight a brick. Who knows? <laughs> He wins finally. Finally. <laughs> Gaia had wanted Percy and Annabeth to be the sacrifices, but she's like, well, that's not going to work because they're separated and they're going to die. So I'll settle for Hazel and Frank. She traps them in the room and disappears. Leo scans the room and is determined to escape. He's like, I have to save my other friends. He tells his friends that he has a plan and they start setting things in motion. Um, I didn't have a lot of notes for this. I just said basically reading from Leo's point of view about Rome is frustrating because he's finding things that I think are really cool like ancient monuments and statues and ruins um the things that I think are so cool he's like couldn't care less about and I was like typical child gets to go Stupid and is kid. annoying but it also makes sense for his the way that his characterization set up so I'm glad that Rick is loyal to his characterization is like mm-hmm. isn't that something that this kid would care about He's too busy, like, yeah. being too twitchy and wanting to build things. Like, he's not going to focus on old things. Whereas that's something, like, Annabeth and Percy and all of the other ones are, like, really fascinated about. Also, like, mm-hmm. how did public school fail Frank that badly? He's, like, making jokes. He, they have no idea what pi is. He's, like, because they was, like, oh, what, what are the, the, like, first three digits of pi again? And they're, like, I don't know, man. And I was, like, Hazel, I understand. She went to public school in the 40s during World War II, like, a lot of things were different. But Frank, he's in Canada. He probably they took not a math, do math class. in Canada? <laughs> Apparently not. They didn't get to geometry. <laughs> this man's like 17 years old. Just a man. This child is 17 years old. And even if he was, and that's the other thing, even if he was in Roman, like, camp, do they not do edu- like education? Like, in Roman camp. And he hasn't even been there that long. He was there no. up until, like, he, he was 15. You were telling me this child has not even looked at geometry once? I mean, based on Camp Half-Blood, they definitely don't do that much education. Well, Camp Half-Blood is supposed to be, like, a summer camp. And even if you're in camp full-time, yeah. like, I'm sure that there's, like, Chiron is screaming math facts at you while you run and do <laughs> capture the flag. There's got to be something. Oh, uh, Yes. Yes. Yeah, Frank just clearly did not pay attention in math class. Yeah. I'm sure that the way, I mean, obviously, we know the truth of it being it's a children's book, and he's what? trying to introduce, I know, he's trying to introduce Pi, especially to maybe children who don't know what Pi is, so, like, giving them that opportunity to, like, be like, learn something new, and we're just ripping on them, we're like, children are stupid. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> we adults reading this child's book is like, oh, we are so much smarter all right well those are my chapters not too long but uh it was interesting a lot happens we're coming Mm -hmm. up on the end wild and i don't remember how this ends like i mean obviously i remember how it ends yeah but like (laughs) the next couple chapters are going to be brand new for me 
Yeah, the Percy and Piper ones before the ending. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my first lightning bolt question. If you had to challenge a god to a contest, what like what would the, the topic or skill of the contest be? Oh, God. That's the thing. I'm good at a, a, a good number of things. I'm great at a small yeah. number of things, but I'm not the best to beat a god at. Mm at anything mm-hmm. I think of unless like, even like obscure I don't know I like what skill is like how many random animal facts can I work into a conversation that someone does not mm, want to learn animal facts about yeah I would be good at that yeah yeah that's like along the lines I was thinking of doing challenging them to a Percy Jackson contest because they don't pay attention to their children. Oh, that's canonically. Good. So they don't know anything about what happens in these books. That is except so for the scenes they appear in. Yeah. So I think that would be <laughs> I think that would be a little bad. I might have a chance on that one. I'd be like, oh, you don't know the names of all the, the Athena kids? <laughs> nice Athena. <laughs> I was thinking that we were challenging to a skill that they were also like the god of, because then I could just see that we would lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, I'm not going to be like, even the things that I'm great at, I'm not better than a god, especially the god who is the invented no. or inventor of this thing. Like Arachne was very much a specific breed of spider woman. So to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah. There is a god of a Greek god of dolphins. Like, maybe I could <laughs> fight them on dolphin facts. Oh, as long as you're fighting them on dolphin facts, because I feel like you'd start crying if you had to fight an actual dolphin. Oh, I would. No. Yeah, I would. That would be really sad. <laughs> Conclusion, we'd pick, like, obscure skills that the gods would be like, that's not a skill. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a skill at all. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, why well, am I so good at it? <laughs> My other question is, where on the that journey to Arachne, you know, are very difficult challenges when you mm. get stuck? Um, I probably wouldn't start. I'd, I'd procrastinate on getting it started. <laughs> I would just not. Yeah. Gregory Peck would be like, go down to the tunnel. And I'd be like, oh, but I have to eat lunch. And I don't do well if I'm going down there on a full, full stomach. So I'm going to eat lunch. And then I'm going to wait an hour for it to digest. But then I want coffee. So then I'm going to get coffee. Mm. So that's where I would probably get stuck is like not starting it out. <laughs> that's super. That, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like for me, the one I don't know what I would do is the one where they're like, choose your death. I feel like I wouldn't have thought of a third option, but I also wouldn't have chosen either of the two. And I would have just stood there <laughs> and like tried to, maybe I could have just like talked to them until they got annoyed with me. Yeah. Like if I don't make a choice, are they just going to pick one for me? Or can I just stand there in limbo forever <laughs> till I become a ghost because I die of starvation? And then you haunt them. Ooh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to be one of, I'm not going to join them. I'm against them. Yeah. Just be like so annoying in real life that you just tell them, hey, by the way, if you do kill me, I will become a ghost and then you'll never get rid of me. So you yeah. might as well just let me pass. Yeah. Yeah. I want all my friends and family to haunt me when they die. You want them to? Yeah, like in a fun way. I always tell Peanut, because, you know, he's old, I always Mm. tell him that when he dies, he better haunt me, but in a fun way, and that he can haunt all my enemies in a mean way. Mm. Unfortunately, I haven't accrued enemies, 
but <laughs> he's gonna be like where we have a plan in place for when i do there we go that's actually perfect that also might be like yeah. a reverse soulmate thing where you find out that this yeah. person's your enemy because ghost peanut has been haunting them for a couple of days already oh my gosh that's perfect <laughs> They're like, I just keep feeling like my toes are being licked right now. Yeah. Oh, God, you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My question is, would you prefer animal warriors or robot warriors to fight with? Like, they're your buddies. Um, With? Yeah. With and then which ones oh. to fight against? Do I have to pick one for... I would definitely choose to fight against the robots because I feel like... You can just turn them off. <laughs> have you tried restarting And I'd like it? to be with... Yeah, have you tried restarting it? I mean, I feel like it'd be cool to fight with robots too. Mm-hmm. But I would choose animal warriors. So that I can fulfill my animorphs dream. There we go. Yeah, I think I'd do the same. Animals. Um, against nice. robots. Obviously for the animorphs dream too, right? Yes, that's the biggest fan the of Same reasoning. I am yeah. halfway through the graphic novel that you gave me. Um, I oh definitely my gosh. forgot about it. The graphic novel. Yeah, the the in between when they're showing the the kids transforming. It's the funniest thing in the world. So I was thinking of starting like a photo um, collection, just using that as reaction pictures to everything you tell me. Oh, it's so funny! It's so funny. So funny. I would appreciate that. But also animal warriors, I feel like, would be more, like, unhinged. Like, I wouldn't want to fight against them because I couldn't control them in the same way a robot I could turn off or, like, throw water on it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also, like, feel bad about killing animals. I don't know. At the end of the day, even if they're weird looking and they're mean, I'm not going to... I'm going to look into their little warm brown eyes and feel real bad about it. Robots, on the other hand, I'm like, hmm... Oh, you don't feel things. I know this for a fact. And then just turn them off. Unplug them from the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Short circuit them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to be surprised if people pick animal warriors to fight. I mean, some people though. might some think it's cool. Real like, scared of robots. There are. Have you seen that um, that ridiculous survey that is like, I think it's like, an alarming number of men who were interviewed feel confident that they would win in a fight against a grizzly bear. Oh my gosh, I've seen that. And I'm yeah. like, you people are so dumb. You could not. That thing is, first of all, taller than you. <laughs> By a lot. And it's bigger. Got longer the claws. nails. Yeah. Teeth. Longer teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Has no, like, moral gripes with killing you. No. I mean, clearly these people don't have the brain cells, so they don't have morals or thought, so they believe they would win. I mean, like, in a, in a hand-to-hand combat, like, you don't even get a gun. So there's nothing, like, at least human evolution has provided us with tools. You don't even get a tool. You only get your, like, unmanicured hands. I don't even think I could fight, like, a bird of prey hand-on-hand. Like, Mm-mm. the eagles are freaking big, and, like, their talons... They got the high ground on me, Anakin. They just fly away. What am I going to do, jump? That's embarrassing. I know, exactly. Men are stupid. Men are stupid. (laughs) They can fight all these animals. My brother and I 
um, we went on a hike and my parents came with us. And so they were just listening to us talk about this. Cause I was like, what animal do you think that you could win? And so we started small, like maybe like a cat, but even a cat could scratch you up pretty yeah. good. And so we were talking about that and I was like, okay, what animal could you win against if you had time to train? But the kicker is the animal also gets time to train. Oh. Mm-hmm. And has time oh. to prepare. Like a moth. <laughs> no, honestly, I was like, maybe some insects, but only one, like an ant. But I spend the entire time yeah. searching for it because I won't be able to see it. And it'll just like get tired, sleep, and then call in my ear while yeah. I'm asleep. It would not work. I would lose. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Animals are superior to us. It is true. Robots are on their way to that too. <laughs> Good for them. Do you hear that, Alexa? <laughs> Okay. Okay, anyway. Next next time, we will be talking about chapters 41 through 48, which is, like, right up to the end of the quest, almost, minus the last few chapters. We're slowly approaching the most iconic scene. Mm -hmm. And, oh, also, fair warning, folks, after we finish this book, we'll take a little, like, a couple-week break. So, yeah, please be emotionally prepared to be left on that cliffhanger. But, um... I mean, to be fair, we are not stopping you from reading ahead. I feel like most of you already know what's going to happen, but um, we just will not be holding your hands while while you read ahead for another two weeks. We will be holding your hands, like, in thought. In thought and prayer, yeah. That's, oh, God. (laughs) Um, If you're interested in supporting us, (laughs) if you want to give us money for all of us, You can find us on Patreon. Link is in the episode description, as well as the link to send us an audio message. And you can also find us on social media at Camp Half Pod. You can vote when this episode comes out if you'd rather fight animal warriors or robot warriors. Yes. And you can email us, camphalfpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review if you haven't already. Bye-bye. Yay!